Well, let me be the first to say Happy New Year. I hope you had a great Christmas and a great holiday season all together. And I don't know what you did last night, but I know that you're here. And I want to congratulate you for tuning into church today, wherever you're at. Hopefully, you're with family, you're with some people who love you. Hopefully, you had a great time last night. And we're going to have a great time today. We are kicking off a new season in our church. And, you know, it's easy to look around with the first of the year and recognize you're in a new season. There's something for me, I just love the first part of the year because it's a natural time to set goals. It's a natural time to look forward. It just feels like you have a fresh start. And that's maybe just part of how I'm wired. I, I tend to generally look ahead and think about those kind of things. And of course, we see seasons in our life and every part of our life. I don't know why it is, but January 1, it makes it simple to think about, I'm going to set that goal to start that diet. I'm going to start that new fitness plan. I'm going to start reading through the Bible or be regular in church attendance. And of course, there's no reason we can't do any of that stuff in December or November or any time of the year. But something about the first part of the year, it makes us just want to have a fresh start. It's because we recognize the value and this principle of seasons, whether we, rec whether we realize it or not. And at our church, we do that same thing. We recognize there's seasons to life. In fact, this isn't just a natural principle. It's a spiritual principle. It's even found in scripture. We see it in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. Let me read it to you. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. In other words, there's natural start times and there's natural stop times. There, there's times to put your energy and effort towards certain things. And then there's times to be intentional about rest. And I would just encourage you that there's times where you need to prioritize your family. That there's times where you need to focus on your work and business. There's times where you need to put a value on your health and getting things in order there, all your finances. There, there's times and seasons to all of this. And if you don't learn to recognize the season that you're in, you won't reap the reward of the season that you're in. So that's true for all areas, not just our practical life, not just in the world, not just our natural life, but also our spiritual life. So what we do as a church is we prepare, we plan, and we strategize, and we work, and we operate in seasons. And here's why. Because seasons bring focus to our faith, and they clarify our purpose. So when we're, as a church, when we're intentional about the season that we're in, it makes our relationships thrive. It helps us grow spiritually. So what we do here at Velocity, if you don't know, is we theme different seasons so we can have emphasis and focus, even though our mission doesn't change, even though our goal doesn't change. We're always moving forward in the mission that God has for us to bring those far from God near to life in Christ. We're always about building God's church, but we want to be intentional about recognizing the season that we're in. Now, I mentioned this a minute ago, but I don't know about you, I, I tend to be a futuristic thinker. It just means I spend more time thinking about where I'm headed than where I've been. I think that's good, by the way. I mean, there's a reason that our windshields are bigger than our rearview mirrors, because we, we need to be focused on what's in front of us, not just what's behind us. But there are times to 
reflect on where you've been and to look back. And uh, this past year, I went, took a sabbatical. It's the first time I've ever done it in 11 years of leading this church. I took a 30-day sabbatical. Some of you know that. And during that time, I prioritized time with family. I made sure we did some fun things. And I also took time to pray about the future of our church. In fact, it was while I was focusing on praying for the future of our church, I actually spent some time at a monastery and it was a silent retreat. So there was a lot of time to pray and think. But while I was praying about the future of our church and just what God has for us and thinking about just church in general, kind of, you know, looking back after the last several years and thinking about what the next few years are going to be like, this phrase just came up in my spirit. And uh, it was this phrase, the future is ancient. Now, I don't know if that means anything to you, but what it meant to me is that as I was thinking and planning about the things that God has and what his church is going to be like and, and look like, that in thinking about the future, it's really helpful to lean into some things in the past. What does that mean? I don't want you to be weirded out thinking that we're, I was at a monastery and we're going to go all Catholic. But what it does mean is I want to introduce you to the historic church. Now, understand, like, I love our church. I love the lights and the LED screen and the modern worship and the things we do with graphics and creativity. I love who we are. That, that is who we are. But I want you to know the things that have been passed down from generations. I want you to know how the church started. I, I want you to know the, the truth that has not changed. Like one of the things we started doing fairly recently is of course, we receive communion once a month as a body of believers, as a family. We receive it collectively. But we started making the elements available every week, just that you might come in and during the worship, there might be some stuff where you, you need the power that is available in remembering the blood and body of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for you. That I, I, I want you to know about orthodoxy, what that means. It's historical church tr tradition, doctrine, good doctrine, good theology. I want you to have solid ground that you can stand on because when the future is uncertain, the safest place to be is in God's truth that hasn't changed. That's what I want to help you know this season, that you can have confidence in God's word, that you can have confidence in the Bible that you have, that you can know what you believe and know why you believe it. And no matter what comes your way this year, no matter what comes your way in the future, you can be standing on solid ground. Now, the verse that really inspired me, I want to share with you. It's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. This is what it says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the inspiration for ancient future now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I want to read this verse to you in context because it says a couple things that interesting to me both before and after. Starting in verse 7, the writer of Hebrews says, remember your leaders. They taught God's message to you. Remember how they lived and died and copy their faith. In other words, copy some of the traditions, copy the pattern, copy what they did. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So verse nine, don't let all kinds of strange teachings lead you into the wrong way. So it might be helpful to understand the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who were enduring intense persecution. They were enduring persecution because what they believed, what they believed was countercultural. What they believed was not popular. What they believed went against the wisdom of the day. And so a lot of people were coming against them. Were there, the very foundations of their belief were being shaken. People were being pressured to fall away. And so the writer of Hebrews said, when you're facing these kinds of pressures, I want you to remember what was handed down, not just recently, but through generations. I want you to remember the truth of God's word, how these people lived, how they operated, how they acted. Remember what they did. Remember what was handed down. Remember the things of the past. Remember what they taught you. Then know this, that Jesus hasn't changed. That just as God was in the beginning, so is he now and ever shall he be. He hasn't changed. So then he goes on verse nine. So don't let the things that you're facing leads you down the wrong path in the future. This is the idea behind ancient future now. God's truth hasn't changed. And just like he's been faithful in your past, you can trust that he is gonna be faithful in your future. So I wanna give you three quick things to help you seize the strength of this season. And the first one that you need to know is authority. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Maybe just put it in your phone. It's always good to take notes in church, even if you're taking notes from your couch. Write this down, authority. Here's what that means. We need to let God's word be the authority in our lives. That means we look to God's word. We look to scripture as our source of truth. You see, we live in a world that thinks that all truth is relative. You know, you've got your truth. I've got my truth. You believe that, that's good for you. Well, I believe differently. And how can you really know if what you believe is true? Because other people believe other things and they think what they believe is true. A lot of people say that that's the philosophy of the day. And what you need to understand is that that is a problem if you're a Christian. It's a problem because Jesus makes a very absolute claim. I want to read it to you. It's found in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say I'm a way. He didn't say I'm some truth. He said, I am the way and the truth. If you want to know God, you want to be in right standing with God, you want to know your heavenly father, it is through me and through me alone. I'm the truth. Then in John 17, 17, Jesus said this, speaking to God, he was praying. He said, Father, sanctify them by the truth. And then he clarifies that your word is truth. In other words, Jesus, who is the word of God, John tells us that, John 1, 1, Jesus is the word of God. And by extension, the Bible, by way of Jesus, 
claim to be the truth. Not some truth, not a truth, the truth. And by the way, this is what our very next series is going to be about. Next week, we are kicking off a brand new series of messages called Bible Basics. And we are going to go in depth on how the Bible came to be and how you can have confidence in the Bible. If you've ever wondered, how can I really believe the Bible? How can I have confidence in its claims? It claims to be the authority. It claims to be the truth. How can I have confidence in its authenticity? How can I have confidence in its validity? How, how can I have confidence in this? We're going to go through that in Bible basics. And beyond that, you're going to learn how to read your Bible and how to understand your Bible. And it's going to be helpful for everyone, whether you've read through the Bible multiple times before, or whether you are just getting started and knowing the Bible and what God has to say to you, or whether you're somewhere in between. It's going to be very, very helpful for you. I can't wait to begin it with you, but I want to talk about authority. Recognizing the Bible as the authority in our lives means that whenever we encounter claims that are contrary to the Bible, we need to respond appropriately. And that's the second thing I want to tell you about. There's authority, but then there's also agreement. Second thing to write down, agreement. Meaning when we look to Scripture as our source of truth, our next step is to set ourselves in agreement with what God has said, with what it says. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you mess up and you sin. And I know it's the first day of the year. It's the first Sunday of the year. You're in church. You're probably good. You probably haven't sinned yet. That's great. I'm proud of you. But it's pretty likely that at some point this year, you're going to mess up. Hopefully it's not a big thing, but maybe you're going to say something you shouldn't have said. Maybe you're going to do something that you shouldn't have done. Maybe you're going to act on an impulse that you know is wrong, or you're going to be deceptive. And many times when things like that happen, we believe a common lie where the enemy comes in and says, see, you haven't changed. You're still the same person. It might be a new year, but it's still the same you. You're no good. You're a fake Christian. You claim to love God. You claim to follow the Bible, but you can't do the right things. You're a hypocrite. When those things happen, I want to encourage you. You've got to set yourself in agreement with Scripture. First thing, if you have sinned, confess it, ask for forgiveness, and get right with God. Don't hold on to that thing. Don't keep it a secret in your life. Let somebody know. Let a, a mentor or Christian brother or sister know and confess it. Get it out in the open. That, that thing only has power in your life as long as you keep it a secret. But get it out in the open. Confess it. Ask God for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I want to remind you that 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What's that mean? That means that your sin has been forgiven. It has been washed away by the blood of Jesus that was shed for you on the cross. That your sin was nailed to the cross. And just like when Jesus was nailed to the cross and they took him down and he rose again on the third day and was raised to life, so you have new life in Christ. The old you that sin is dead and gone. You have a new 
life in Christ. We need to set ourselves in agreement with what God has said. How about another area? Well, you know, sometimes we have goals for the year and with goals for the year, we can have a pressure or a temptation. Maybe we have to cut some corners. Maybe we have to promote ourselves. Maybe we have to, you know, talk bad about somebody else and prop ourselves up. All these different things to try and get ahead, to try and make it happen. Well, what does scripture say? Scripture says, Jesus said, any of you who desires to be the greatest, let him be a servant. If you want to go up, you got to go low. You got to serve. Proverbs, it talks about anybody who humbles himself will be exalted. So I'm just trying to tell you there's the world's way of doing things, and then there's God's way. As a Christian, we're going to view God's word as the authority, and then we're going to set ourselves in agreement with what God has said. We're going to do things God's way, not trying to make it happen the world's way. So when we do that, we're going to practice what God has said. And then the last thing is this. There is authority, agreement, and then attitude. Attitude. That's the third thing I want you to write down. Attitude. Let me tell you, I want to introduce you to the historic church. I want you to understand orthodoxy. Doctrine matters. Theology matters. Understanding the historic church, all of that is important. But I've just noticed in my years of being a pastor, I don't see a lot of people walk away from the church because of bad theology or bad doctrine. What I see is a lot of people walk away from the church because of a bad attitude. Bad attitude. What do I mean by that? People get hurt. They get offended. Maybe a friend of theirs gets hurt and they pick up an offense that that friend was carrying and they let this wound fester and affect their heart. And then they don't realize why their love for God, why their love for the Bible, why their love for his church, the thing that Jesus died and gave his life for, they don't realize why their love for that is gone, has grown cold. Can I tell you, it's not because of a bad doctrine or bad theology. It's because of a bad attitude. That they've let stuff get into their heart. And I'm not trying to make any excuses for anything that's happened. I know there are real hurts, even real abuses, real pains, wounds, things that happen in the church. I get it. I, I know it happens. It's even happened in our church. Pain, wounds, offense. It's even happened by me. Why? Because I'm human. And so are you. And our feelings get involved. And our emotions get involved. And our attitude gets involved. But can I tell you that even though things have happened and we missed it, don't blame the church for something wrong that a person did. Now, understand, I know there's some of us that have endured malicious things things that are even beyond that, things it's okay to call evil, evil. But I just want to encourage you in this season. The point of what I'm trying to say is don't let a tragedy change your theology. It might've been evil. It might've been wrong. But that was a person, not an institution. It might've been severe. It might've been grievous. But that wasn't God. That that wasn't your heavenly father. So don't write off the church. Don't write off God 
just because something happened in your life that was painful. You know, I like to go out to restaurants and eat, and sometimes I have bad service, sometimes I have a bad meal. That hasn't stopped me from going to restaurants. I still go out to eat. I might not go to that one, but I still go out to eat. So don't write off the church. Don't write off God because of something that happened in your life. It's so important. We all have a responsibility to maintain a healthy view of God and his church. And we do this with our attitude. We got to keep a good attitude. Don't pick up offenses this season. Don't believe lies about God and his church. Don't develop a jaded view of the very thing that God has chosen, blessed, and called to be a blessing to the world. The thing that he has called to bring the gospel, the good news to the world so that people can be saved. That's what we're going to do going forward. We're going to view God's word as the authority. We're going to set ourselves in agreement and we're going to maintain a healthy attitude. And if you do that, I promise you, you are going to see great growth this season in your life and in the life of our church. God is going to do great things because we are all moving together. Now, to help you this season, to help you stay on track and, and order your life around these values, we put together something, a little guide. We call it a season guide that's available to you. There should be a QR code on your screen that you can just take your phone and you can scan that and it'll give you a digital version of our season guide. And of course, if you're part of the team, we make that season guide available to you in a hard copy so you can have it and look through it. And in the season guide, there, there's all sorts of resources for you. There are scriptures to encourage you. There's some questions for you to reflect on. There's some decisions to challenge you and for you to respond to. We have a Spotify or our Apple Music playlist of the different songs that we're going to do uh, over the season. So you can be the first to know. You can learn them ahead of time. So you can sing when we're leading in worship, or you can just have them handy. So when God ministers to you in the worship service, that you can, hey, what was that song? You can have it on list. There's that in there. Uh, there's points of prayer, things for you to be praying about and things that we're believing God for in the season. And then one thing uh, we always do is we put together a declaration of faith, a faith statement of how we're going to think, how we're going to operate, what we're trusting God for. And I want to read it to you, but we'll put it on the screen so you can follow along and say it out loud or at least see it as I'm saying it. And this is all in the season guide if you capture it. But let me read to you our faith declaration this season for ancient future now. God's truth hasn't changed and his promises haven't failed. What he's said is settled and what he's planned is promised. I am confident in tomorrow because all of my days are held together by his power. Though today might bring new challenges, I have a time-tested faith and my purpose remains the same, to glorify God with my thoughts, words, and actions. As it was in the beginning, so is it now and ever shall be. He's the same God, it's the same faith, and I hold fast to the same truth. His word is the authority in my life. So when I have questions about the future, I remember what he said in the past. I'm not worried about what lies ahead because God has always been faithful. 
Through the ages, each generation declares his mighty works. So I will do the same for my generation and the next. I have constant hope, consistent joy, and continuous peace because Jesus Christ is the same, ancient, future, and now. Hey, I'm praying for you this season. Praying God's very best for you with your goals, habits you want to start, dreams you want to see happen. We care about that. I hope you submit a prayer request. I look at those. I pray over those. They matter to me. But I never want to close out our time together without offering you the opportunity to pray to receive Jesus into your heart. Maybe you decided this year is the year you're going to be back in church or you're going to try church out for the first time. You decided to check us out online. You want to see what this church was about. Well, you know, we might do things a little different, but we are based in an ancient faith that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever.